theyeshiva.net. I think I mentioned this is a Maimah from Tavkov Samach Gimel, which means the end of 1802 by the Balatanya. And if you didn't hear the the first session, the first class on it, it's it's very uh, worthwhile to review it, both even if you did hear it, to to understand it better, to internalize it, to learn it, and really to uh, integrate the major point that Alter Rebbe made. And the major point he made was that Eretz Yisrael is called in Torah Eretz Canaan. Canaan doesn't seem like the most uh, complimentary uh, title in Tanakh because of Canaan's reputation and his father's reputation, Cham, and what Noyach said about them. But he said the Klal is, the Yisait is, you always have to remember that every name and every force and every character, even if in the Tanakh they're portrayed in less than kind ways, there is a counterbalance which is holy. Zela Umaza. And he gave an example of Lavan and Esav and Paris Butler and Baker and Cham and Knan. The word Knan in Tanakh is a term that's used for a merchant. Knan Bayadai Maizne Mirma. A tagger, a merchant, what we call today a businessman or woman. Knan is the title for that business person, for the merchant. And the Rebbe says the key principle of business is that you make money by losing money. And what I mean by that is, what he means by that is, not that you make money by losing money, literally, but that you make money, if the money sits in my account, or the money sits in my pillowcase, or the money just sits in my drawer, what's wonderful, and if you have a lot of money, okay, great, Baruch Hashem. But revenue, to generate revenue, especially significant revenue, I have to spend the money. I have to invest the money. I have to invest it in merchandise. I have to invest it in a business venture. I have to invest it in an enterprise. I have to invest it in a corporation. I have to invest it in a project. Whatever the investment is, but investment always includes risk. There's always the ability that, God forbid, one could lose their money. And the greater the risk, the more potential for the revenue. And we discussed this at length, the spiritual reason for this, how this really reflects the art of life, how the word Canaan is really the secret of life. And the Alter Rebbe said that Neshama Yisrael go into Golos, their own Golos. The Neshama in heaven is filled with love and awe, it's saturated with divinity, with godliness. It's one with Hashem. It's filled with kesef and zav, silver and gold. Kesef representing love, and zav representing awe, reverence, yira. Kesef from the word nichsoif, nichsafti. I crave, I yearn, I pine. Love is that sense of closeness and attraction. I want to be close. I want to be attached. I want intimacy. I want, I want to be connected. Zahav is the color of, of uh, fire representing the intensity of, of awe, of reverence. The Nisham is filled with gold and silver. But God then takes this money and he invests it, so to speak. And when you invest it, you don't have the money. It's lost. When the soul comes down into this world, it's like a business investment. 
that Kesef and Zav, that Ava and Yira that it had prior to birth, prior it's coming down into the shells and husks of the material world, it's going to be concealed. It's never going to be as manifested, as clear, as as powerful, as potent as it was, so to speak, in heaven. And the question is, why? Why lose your money? Why squander your money? And the answer is, Torah of your mouth is better for me than thousands and thousands of pounds of gold and silver. Spiritually, what that means is, alfe means a training, learning. Aluf is champion, somebody who's champion, somebody who's champion something, who becomes a champion in something. It's called an aluf. I think in Israel today, they call it a general. A very uh, elevated level of a general is aluf. Which, of course, is somebody who has mastered and hone their skills in a particular area to the point of perfection or close to perfection. Aleph, Aleph, the first letter of the Aleph base, is to teach. Aleph Chachma. Aleph is to teach somebody, to train somebody. Not just to teach one time, but to train them in something. So Alfezav Chesaf is somebody who's trained in gold and silver. Somebody who's trained in love and awe. That's the soul. The soul naturally is trained. It lives in Ava and Yira. And when it comes down into this world, that becomes concealed. The invested money that I gave in, I don't have it. I hope for revenue. But he says it's for Torah Spicha. The Torah of your mouth that I experience here in this world is greater than than all the training of the soul that the soul was so accustomed to and has become a champion of prior to birth. And the Altareb explains that this is the meaning of one moment, one hour of tshuva, of good deeds in this world, it says in Perkeyavis, in the ethics of the fathers, is greater than the whole life of Elam Haba. How can you say that? <clears throat> and his answer is because the devekas, the oneness that the soul experiences in this world, through what's called a deeper level of returning that comes from the depth of the heart is so much more powerful and so much more potent. I, she loses that natural, organic love and awe that existed in the soul prior to coming down into the world. He says that's true. But that love and awe is what's called the revealed love and awe in the external heart. He says, and in this world, she experiences... Ru'usa deliba, the true yearning of the heart, benekudas pnimiyas halev, in the core, in the depth of the heart, like the light that comes and is born and emerges from the darkness. That type of pnimiyas halev, that type of relationship, that type of connection, only happens in Olam Haza, in this world. When the soul comes in to the world and goes through everything that it goes through in this world, which even in the most perfect life, is filled with various ups and downs and setbacks and failures, but this allows me to touch Pnimius Alev, my deepest, deepest, deepest heart. I think we all understand this in our lives very well, that uh, you know everybody always wishes, and, and for good reason, and everybody should always have a serene life and a tranquil life, and a life that's devoid of uh, any curveball, 
any curveballs. But, but there's no such a thing as a perfect life in this world. By definition, the only people that I know who have perfect lives are the people I don't know. <laughs> you know my old joke. So, but it's not such a joke, right? Because by definition, birth is a trauma. The descent of the soul from Alakus, from pure godliness into this world is a trauma. Darizel speaks about the tzimtzum, we'll soon see. There's the concealment. So even if you grew up in the most functional, impeccable family, <laughs> right? A father once told me, he says, he says, I don't know what the right thing is. He says, <clears throat> if you're, if you're, par- he, he was talking to me about, you know, his children's uh, complaints to him as an adult of how he fathered them. So he says, if you're an imperfect father, they certainly have what to complain about. He says, and if you're a perfect father, they have even more to complain about because you haven't prepared them for the real world. <laughs> so he said, how do you win? <laughs> it is, it's, it's a lose-lose situation. He says, if you're a great father and everything is beautiful in the home, he says, then they become dysfunctional. <laughs> it was a little bit tongue-in-cheek. There's no mitzvah to be dysfunctional to uh, give your kids a good opportunity at uh, baseball, at dealing with curveballs. But the point is that life itself, even in the most perfect situation, is a confrontation with concealments of all types, with deviations, with struggle. But it's the only opportunity to reach your pnimiyas halev. Because what happens is, when I am entangled, when I am engulfed with forces that obstruct my true light, I have to peel away on the external layers and I find my deepest relationships, I find my deepest love. We all know that there are moments in life that we feel like cause us to disintegrate. They cause us to remove all of our superficial layers. And it's painful. We may grieve, we may sob, but it brings you in contact with yourself. It puts you face to face with your own depth, And when you meet such a person, you know immediately that you're meeting such a person. There's a certain authenticity, a halo of truth, of light, that encompasses this person. So the Alter Rebbe says that all the Ava and Yira, Al-Fezav and in the highest worlds prior to the Neshama coming down into this world, is Bechitzayni Yishalev. It's true, it's amazing, but it's still called an experience in the external heart. It's in this world that there's a ru'usa deliba. We don't have all that love and awe, but there's a ru'usa deliba. There's the deepest, deepest, deepest chukka. Ru'usa deliba is an expression of zaya, which means, ru'usa means the desire, halev, the heart. But it's not just the desire, it's like ru'usa deliba is like the, what you're really about, you know, what you really, what you really care about, who you are, your priorities. And here we come face to face with that. He continues now. If you're with us on the source sheets, we finished the first page. We're now on the second page. Not 52, but 53. Chavzayin, column one. We are three lines from the top. In the explanation is, the Pasuk says, Ani Rishon, Vani Acharain, 
By the way, this Pasuk made its way into a part of davening, right? Ezras, after Kriya Shema, before Shmonesta, we have Ezras of Eisenu Atum Mayoylam. So we paraphrase this Pasuk with a few small changes. But the source of it is Yeshaya, the prophet Yeshaya Ohanavi, Perik Mem Dalet, chapter 44. Ani Rishon, I am first. Vani Acharon, I am last. Umi Bilodayain and outside of me, there's no God. It's like we say in the morning in Baruch Sha'amar. Chai la'ad v'kayam la'netzach. He lives forever and endures for eternity. So Yeshaya, and we say in Ezra's, right? Emes, you remember? Ato rishain v'ato acharain umi baladacha Those who didn't daven yet today, you'll say it a little later by davening. You are first, you are last, you are last, and outside there's no God. What is the meaning of this? Pidush al derech. This is very similar to what the prophet Malachi says. Mashakasuv ani Hashem loishanisi. I Hashem have not changed. This is Malachi, the prophet Malachi or Malachi chapter three. But the last prophet of Israel, by the way. And we say also every morning. This is in the section of Karbanas before we start Hoidu. We say, Atuhu Achaloi Nivra Oilam, Atuhu Misha Nivra Oilam. You are the same before creation, and you are the same post creation. It doesn't just say, You were here before creation, and you're here after creation, meaning you were always here. You know, one of the first questions our children ask us is, Who made Hashem, right? <laughs> I was yesterday in a high school, huh? We still are. I was yesterday in a high school, so. The girls want back to the basics. Who made Hashem? They never got a satisfactory answer. Like, where did he come from? So really to, to, to understand the concept that the only, when we describe God, we're not describing an entity. We're describing something that actually is the core of reality and therefore didn't have to be created because it's not matter. It doesn't exist as matter or in time or in space. Matter, time, and space are all products of creation that converge together during creation. So when something exists, you have to ask where it exists. You have to ask what exists. You have to ask when it exists. In the beginning, heaven, Eretz, earth. So Bereshis is time. Shemayim is space. Eretz is matter. And they all come together and converge together. Space, time, and matter. But God transcends that by definition. So it's not a type of creation of matter which exists in time or space. But we're saying much more than that. We're not just saying you're always here. You're here procreation, you're here after creation. We're saying, You're the same way post-creation as pre-creation. Without a change. I haven't changed. I haven't changed the Altarebbe. It doesn't only mean that I'm still around. After thousands of years, they haven't obliterated me. Ani Hashem Leishanisi means I'm around the way I was before creation because there was no change. That's Pshat Ani Rishon Vani Enelikim. I'm the first, I'm the last. And even in the interim, between the first and the last, Enelikim, there was no change. Now what does this mean? There was no change. So he says... 
because the creation of the worlds, meaning all of the universes, there's higher worlds, there's lower worlds, we know there's no one universe. There are multi-universes. So he says, there are many numerous worlds which are really states of consciousness. When you say numerous worlds, it doesn't necessarily mean in other places. In the same world as numerous worlds, it's different states of consciousness. Some people see different layers of reality that others don't see. So when you, well, the creation of all the world's highest and lowest, they're not toifsim makam klam. They don't occupy separate space, which can create a partition between you and Hashem to say that something changed after creation because before creation there was only God. And now... It's not so simple. Now to get to God, you got to work through a lot of layers. This is an expression of Daniel, the Sefer Daniel, also a little paraphrased. Kula kame, everything in his presence. Kame means in front of him, in his presence. It's an Aramaic term. Daniel is an Aramaic, much of it. Kula kame, everyone in his presence, keloi chashev mamash, doesn't have separate, distinct significance that can create a partition between you and Hashem. It doesn't ha- it can't be- doesn't occupy like Hashivus, it doesn't occupy an, a distinctive identity that can ever create a separation. Umibiladai, and the Pasuk continues, Umibiladai Ainalakim, outside of me there is no God, meaning Pirush, Mashuzulis Pchinazu, whatever is outside this, Dahainu, Time allows us to see the world as something separate. This is what time and space are. This is incredibly deep words that touch on the cutting edge understandings of cosmology and astrophysics and science and physics. That time and space, zman and makayim, zman and makayim, he says, are what force us to condense reality into the defined descriptive entity that make it divorced from infinity. So he says, anything that's outside of this reality of Hashem's infinite oneness, which means as a result of time, where the world appears as something separate, there is something called time and space, ein elekim zulasi, you should know, that there's no elekim outside of me, shahu p'chines elekim chayim melech because he is the living God and the eternal king, and therefore, mi biladai einelikim, kemaimer, like we say. Also in davening, o mi baladecha, ein lanu melech goyel, o Right, we say, emes, ato rishen, ato acheren, o mi baladecha, ein lanu melech goyel, o Outside of you, there's no other salvation. Shekol ha'olem es el yoinim v'tachtoinim. Nishavu mebchines malchusi yizbarach. Because all of the worlds, the highest and the lowest, were created, emerged from Hashem's malchus, from Hashem's quality of malchus, which is his quality of leadership, of royalty, like we say in Ashrei, in Tehillim. Malchus, malchus, Your malchus, your royalty, your kingship is the malchus of all of the worlds. It extends, it pervades in all of the worlds. A, a king, a monarch is a melech in his country. A governor is a governor in his region president of his of his country but malchus your malchus your presidency malchus kalaylam and pervades all of the universes which also represents the idea that all of the universes are a manifestation of your malchus your royalty 
And that's where the hasaga, the, the comprehension of all created beings can ascend to. That state is what they can all have some comprehension in, in Hashem's malchus, because that is manifested in the story and the narrative of existence. Even the highest creations, their hasaga, their comprehension of reality, their consciousness reaches malchus. But Hashem Himself lays No thought can grasp Him, because not because the thought is dishonest, just because it's a thought, and the thought is already a product of a defined reality, which is a condensed reality in terms of time and space. So the thought is defined by its own properties, which is thought. Kihuram Venisa, he remains completely above those parameters, beyond the realm of comprehension. It's not that you can't comprehend it because you didn't learn enough. And if you learn for another year, another 10 years, another 20 years, or maybe 100 years, you'll be able to comprehend it. No, because when you go above Malchus, when you go to Hashem's essence, you're talking about something that's beyond the gather, it's beyond the realm of comprehension. It's not something that the word comprehension relates to. Comprehension, the word hasaga means to grasp. It also means to reach. It's something within reach, like lahasig. Why are the two connected? Because to grasp something means it's within my reach. I can master it. I can wrap my brain around it, at least to some degree. I can get it. I can understand it. I can... I can touch it, I can feel it, I can experience it, I can, I can have some relationship with it, I can be masigit, right? You say in Hebrew, I want to attain this job, I want to reach this goal. And hasaga means comprehension, it's also a form of reaching, it's not physical reaching with my arms, with my hands, but it's, it's, a, it's an intellectual type of reach. There's a spiritual type of reach. I'm extending myself to grasp. But here it's Lamaila Megeder Hasaga. So it can be grasped within the parameters of the world. It can't be grasped not in a state what's called Mamale and not in a state what's called Soiv. Mamale means that of godliness which I can grasp within my vessels, within my tools. Because Every form of consciousness is a manifestation of divine energy. Every form of consciousness. Even the consciousness of an ant is a manifestation of divine energy. So when I know myself, or I know reality, that's a form of divine awareness. Self-awareness is divine awareness. But it's divine awareness the way it's condensed and manifested and filtered through the tools and through the venues that allow it to become my consciousness, my understanding of the world. That's called mamale. Soiviv is a transcendent consciousness, but he says even a transcendent consciousness is a consciousness, and this cannot be grasped. With no mind or comprehension or thought in the world, can't grasp it. Why? Because every consciousness is a form of thought. There's thoughts, there's a way of grasping it, there's a form of experience. But this does not lend itself to experience. So what's the Alter Rebbe saying here? There's these few lines <laughs> seem short, but they, they really span eternity. <laughs> they literally span eternity. Hashem says, Ani rish, v'ani achara, umi 
I'm the first, I'm the last. And outside of me there's no God. What's the Chiddush? What would you think? I'm first, I'm last. But in between there's somebody else running the show. So he says, he's saying something deeper. He's not just saying there's no 20 gods running the show. He's saying something much deeper. Pre-creation, pre-creation there was no time, there was no space. What was there? I don't know. Because I already, my, my question is a problem. I said, what was there? <laughs> All three words can be deleted. Those words are post-creation words. What was there? You see what I just did? What is matter? Was is time? <laughs> and there is space. You see, I said, what was there before creation? All three words are problematic. What doesn't go? So what should I say? The answer is, you're right. My vocabulary, my vocabulary is too limited to describe that, that, that reality, even the word reality, for us, what's reality? Reality means real, right? It's reality, yeah? This cup of coffee is reality, at least on some level. The coffee bean is a reality. You're so sweet, our friend from Pakistan is, wow, beautiful, profound. I'm trying to figure out what I'm saying, and she writes to me, beautiful, profound. <laughs> you feel that it's, uh, you feel that it's good stuff, right? <laughs> huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're trying to work it through a little bit, a little bit. It's, 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 there's a lot, a lot of layers here. I'm not sure I understand everything he's saying. But at least one of the points is that cre- what is creation? Creation is a condensed form of godliness, but always condensed, always filtered. Everything in this world is divine energy, but it's divine energy the way it's filtered and condensed to be able to create my consciousness, your consciousness, to be able to create a universe, to be able to create galaxies, to ultimately be able to create the whole structure of our universe, what we learn in chemistry and physics, everything that our universe is made up of, and much that we don't learn in chemistry and physics, because it's beyond it, all of that is divine energy condensed and filtered through many, many restrictions until it assumes the identity of a cell or the identity of an atom. The identity of atoms, the identity of subatomic particles, sub-subatomic particles, and ultimately the identity of every single creature in this world, whether it's inanimate, inorganic, whether it's organic, the world of botany, or the kingdom of the animal kingdom, or the human race, or the spiritual universes. It's all a manifestation of divine energy, but it's a manifestation of energy the way it was condensed and filtered through what we call malchus. Malchus ha malchus kalaylama. And therefore he says, Anirishin, Aturishin, V'atoachin, M'baladachin lana melechit l'mashiach. Anirishin, Aniachirin, as the original Pasuk, U'mibiladayena l'kim. He says, what does it mean U'mibiladayena l'kim? So Anirishin, pre-creation. Aniachron, I'm post-creation. And pre-creation and post-creation in the same way. What does it mean in the same way? It's not like creation has compromised Hashem's oneness. Why has it not compromised Hashem's oneness? It did compromise Hashem's oneness. And the answer is because <laughs> because outside of me you say, what do you mean? There's a world, there's time and space. He says that's just a condensement of divine infinity. I'm first, I'm last. In the same way, pure oneness, Hashem Echad, Einoid Mulvadai. I, what do you mean? There's a lot going on. <laughs> Listen to the news. 
outside of me, there's nothing else happening. Like we say in the morning, this is what we try to meditate on before Kriyashma. Or after Kriyashma. They say together the words of the living God and the eternal King. Don't think, O mi biladai, outside of me, there's a lot going on. No, it's all a manifestation of Hashem. It's the way divinity is condensed in time and space to allow for the perception of a separate world, a defined world, where you can even argue if there's a God. That itself is a manifestation of godliness. There's a lot. There's a lot in this in these words. So our grasp of reality is all through Malchus, which is the quality within Hashem that, so to speak, is the, the driving force behind creation. Because Malchus is my desire for a relationship. Ein melech belayam. There's no leadership without people. Malchus is often referred to femininity, meaning it's like a marriage. To be married, I have to have you. I can't be married to myself. It's about a relationship. A relationship means otherness. A relationship also means respect for otherness. But in the case when we get married and we have relationships, you exist outside of me. Remember here, Hashem had to create everything. So Malchus is that driving force that creates a sense of consciousness within a person and within all of the worlds that creates for a reality that perceives itself as independent. And as a result of that, he says, outside of me, there's no other Elikim. I'm first and I'm last and nothing changed. The way I'm at the beginning, I'm at the end, and nothing compromises that oneness. Ani rishon vani achron. I, there's a lot. Because it's all a condensment of divine energy. But, because of this, all of our hasaga, all of compre- our comprehension reaches malchus. Outside of that, the essence. I can't grasp because I have no tools for it. Because what do I use what tools do I use to grasp reality? And the answer is, I meditate, I think, I speak, I live, I breathe, I feel, I experience. But all those tools are products of the condensed energy within defined parameters. And therefore he says, the atmos, there's no machshava that can grasp it. So do we have a relationship with that? So the Alter Rebbe says... You can't grasp it with seichel v'hasaga, with mind and comprehension. There is a way to grasp it. But it's not a grasp where I hold on to it. means with the desire of the heart, from the depth of a person's heart. As it says in Tehillim, Shiramalois, Mimamakim Hashem. I call out to you, from the depths. What does it mean, from the depths? From the depth means from my own depth. I can call out to you from my external self. I can call out to you with my mind. means I have to find my own amkos, my own depth. Now you'll ask, why does that reach the essence? It has the same problem. If I'm calling out, so it's again me, and I come from Malchus, so at most my consciousness can touch the divine the way it's condensed in Malchus? The answer is, because Ru'usa deliba, the desire of the heart, 
Ruusa the Libe comes from this very awareness. When a person puts his heart to it, that no thought can grasp him. And he's beyond. Infinitely above. Even from the highest form of Chachma, the highest form of perception, does not touch and grasp. The essence of truth. My soul then pines to transcend any form of reality, any form of mitzias. To transcend from any prison, any confinement which holds down my rotsam. And to uh, to melt away in the bosom of my father. But the soul before it comes down into this world. Her ava, her love, and her dvekus, her connection, even in her highest source, was always commensurate with how much she comprehended and also her awe, her reverence. And therefore, it remains extremely limited. It's only in this world that this quantum leap happens. What is the Alter Rebbe telling us? Lefi erech, lefi erech, according to, commensurate with. What is the Alter Rebbe saying? That in this world, something paradoxical happens. You see, this has many, many layers, but I want to bring out one layer at least. Reality, the way we know it, is based on the stories we tell ourselves about reality. That's what it is. This is not just psychologically, that too. Reality is based on the stories you say about it, right? Who is your mother? It's the story you say about your mother that becomes your mother. Is that your mother? Maybe part of who your mother is. Who is your father? It's the story you tell about your father that is your father. Who are you? It's the story you tell about yourself, that is you. Who is your wife? Who is your husband? Who are your children? Who are your friends? It's always the stories we tell about people. In other words, there's a conceptualized sense of the other and of the self that my mind, my experience teaches me, and that's how I define it. And we live in that place. Healing is about expanding our horizons, you know, to be able to see there's more to the story to be able to see there's more than your story. You know, we often use that word trauma. What is really trauma? Trauma means when my story becomes so limited. My story is so limited. It's so narrow. It's so small. My story about myself. My story of reality. This is so important to understand, my friends. My story of my reality becomes such a such a narrow story. The boundaries really, really close in on me. And therefore, my ability to interpret reality and experience reality are there, but they are so restricted. You know, if I have this core belief that I'm unworthy of love, or I have this core belief that the world is against me, or I have this core belief that I'm a nerd, that I'm a doormat, that I'm a shmata, that I'm an idiot, that if you would really get to know me, you would run away from me. If you really knew who I am, you wouldn't spend more than one second with me. You would be, um, you would be disgusted. You would experience revulsion. These are beliefs that we have, core beliefs. What do they do? 
they paint a picture of reality, of my reality and of your reality. And every person I meet, there's a story that my brain conjures based on my previous experiences of life. And life is about expanding that story. (laughs) Expanding that story, you know, seeing my blind spots, seeing my wounds, seeing where I'm stuck, seeing how I am reacting to a story that maybe was true in the past but is not true in the present, maybe served me well in the past but is now paralyzing me in the present. A story that may be true from a certain perspective and that's why I contain it, I have it, so I can't judge it. But it's now time to start a new story, to start a new book, right? You can't always read the same book. It says, Sefer told us Adam. We have to add new chapters to the book, add to the story, write a new book. Important stuff. Uh, it's also true in science and physics. It, this is so powerful because everything we see is the story we tell ourselves based on the tools we have. And progress in science means we expand the tools. So we have a microscope that allows us to see more of the story. We have a telescope that allows us to see more of the story. We have new tools. We have x-rays. We have MRIs. We have tools to be able to expand our knowledge of the story, of what a brain is, of what a life is, of what bacteria is, of what an atom is, of what a cell is, of what a DNA molecule is. And every year we expand those stories. But they're all stories. They're all stories. They're all defined by words and concepts and ideas and feelings and experiences. And the Alter Rebbe says that whole concept began with Malchus. That whole concept began with divinity, godliness, infinity, condensing itself and manifesting itself to a place where it lends itself to definitions. It lends itself to descriptions. It lends itself to stories. It lends itself to words, thoughts, concepts, emotions, experiences on all levels. The question is how big, how small, how traumatized, how expansive, how healthy, how dysfunctional. That all happens within the realm of Malchus. There's higher universes, lower universes, extremely high, extremely low universes. But in this world, something unique happens. Because of the concealments of this world, because of the setbacks of this world, because of the traumas of this world, I'm smiling not because it's funny, but because it's pretty intense. What happens is the soul, the person, experiences what he calls ru'usa deliba, a yearning to go to the place beyond the stories, to touch infinity. The soul in heaven is in a beautiful place, but it experiences love and awe. To what? To God, the way it comprehends God. Now a soul, prior to its birth, is, 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 is pure transcendence. But it's pure transcendence that has some form of self-conceptualization. It has some form of emotional experience. So he says, the avavayira and the dveikus, the closeness, the intimacy of the neshama before it's born, 
is always commensurate l'fi'erech ha'sagasa, based on how much she could comprehend. And how much could she comprehend? As much as a amazing soul can comprehend. As we said, even the highest, highest, highest worlds and highest, highest, highest souls, souls are a manifestation of Hashem's malchus, which is the way godliness condenses itself and is filtered in a way that it can be experienced and grasped to one degree or another degree. But what happens in this world is, because of the darkness, because of the setbacks, because of the restrictions, I break out. And I say, give me truth. I need to go to a place beyond stories. Because if I remain in the world of stories, I can never find healing. I want to touch a place that transcends every story. I want to touch a place that transcends every definition. Now, how do we do this? (laughs) Can we close our eyes when we pray or any time of the day and really ask ourselves, I want to go into a place that is pre-definition, that is pre-any story I told myself about myself. I want to go to that space where I'm free of everything. It's the challenges of life here that compel me to say, I don't want definitions. I don't want stories. I don't want machshavas. I don't want thoughts. What do you mean you don't want thoughts? How do you go beyond thoughts? I want you. I want me. What did Alter Rebbe say by davening? I don't want anything. I want you. I don't even want my thoughts about you. I just want you. Because I know you want me. So you'll say, but if if the essence can't be grasped, how is it that in this world it could be grasped? You just said no thought, no feeling can grasp it because it's beyond being grasped. We have no tools for it. He says, you're right. You're right. We have no tools. But in this world, we get rid of our tools. (laughs) You're right. If you're looking for tools, if you're looking for a way to grasp it, to own it, to have it, there's no way. But what happens in this world is, what does he... Because he says, This realization itself happens in this world. In this world, I can come to term, I can realize that I have to let go of everything, of every form of definition, of every form of language, of every form of description. I yearn, I thirst. I want the essence, the essence of everything. It's even beyond the word essence. It's not something my chachma or any chachma can grasp. But as he descri- describes it, libatl b'metziyah se'lavi yizbarach, to allow my reality to emancipate itself from any form of definition and become completely one with oneness. Or as he puts it, to melt away in the bosom of your father. That's the ru'usa, the liba, that can happen only in Olam Hazan. And the investment is worth it. <laughs> that the neshama comes down into this world and all of its money is squandered in a very risky investment. Because this world is an interesting place, to put it mildly. It has so much ava v'yira. Toivli soiras pichem alfizav v'chesef. Toivli soiras pichem alfizav v'chesef. Reusa de Libre, Reusa de Libre. 
We need Reusa de Liba. What's Reusa de Liba? Huh? Reusa de Liba. It says in it says in it says in uh, in Zayar Leis Machshavat Tfisebe. No thought grasps him. But there's an expression in Zayar of Nitvus Ihu Reusa de Liba. You grasp him with Reusa de Liba with the Ratzon Halev. It's quoted in Tanya in, in chapter four. Nitfus be Reusa de Liba. Reusa de Liba. What's Reusa de Liba? Reusa de Liba is. Rusalibah comes from the fact that I know that all my tools are not letting me touch reality. You see, in the higher worlds, my tools are so wonderful and so sophisticated that the soul is very satisfied. But it's in this world that I'm challenged to go beyond the stories, realizing that all my definitions of self really disintegrate in the presence of life. All my, you hear? All my definitions of self disintegrate in the presence of life. Now, this is not easy. I hold on to my definitions of self. Who doesn't? Rabbanan, you with me? Rabbanan, you with me? Who doesn't hold on? I hold on to my definitions of self. I want control. But the more you live and the more authentically you live and the more you open yourself up to feeling the texture of life, the more I realize my definitions of self just don't cut it. And that itself that itself becomes the catalyst to touch, to touch, not through wisdom, not through understanding, but through bittel, bittel b'metzias, not through wisdom, not through understanding, through bittel, to touch that core. That's Reusa Libra. And for this, the investment is well worth it, to send the soul down here into this world where it loses, ostensibly it loses, that whole conscious relationship with God. To be able to recreate a relationship that is infinitely greater than any relationship it had in the higher worlds before coming down into this world. Because those relationships were based on identity. They were based on conscious awareness of the divine reality, which is incredible and astounding and and inspiring, and awesome, and full of love, Ave and Yira, Al-Fezov champion, aluf, an aluf in love and awe. Abedoyin Dervelt, as the Neshama comes down, reaches Pnimius Halev, Rusa Deliba, which because of its, its frustration, because of the darkness that it touches, it's catapulted, it's catapulted above all the stories of creation, all the stories of Malchus. And it touches the essence because there's no it anymore. There's no separateness anymore. There's no grasping you through Chachma. It's letting go and letting me become one with the true oneness that is always present. Because Ani Rishon, we go back to that first point, Ani Rishon, Vani Acherum, nothing compromises that original infinity. It's just our perception of divinity in time and space comes as a result of Hashem allowing that process to happen. But I can always, it's, I'm, the reality is always available to be able to go back to pre-verbal pre-verbal reality, my own pre-verbal reality. And this is the essence of all healing. We just learned about the essence of all healing. 
somebody writes, the words you speak about are reaching the highest state of real reality. They are beautiful. Every once in a while, I believe, I can reach that state. And I think many of us actually touch that state. To stay there forever and continuously, that's a challenge. If this is, if this is taught along with the concept of the merchant, are you saying that when the soul is created, Hashem creates type a kind of escrow account, which is in our un-sub-supraconsciousness, from which the revenue can only be brought through an investment, through our investment, which can only become manifest in this world with love, longing, and connection with Hashem and other people and Torah mitzvahs. Beautifully put. Beautifully put. The escrow account. Now, you say no thought can grasp him. No created being can grasp him. Even at tzaddik, how do you grasp the essence? Hashem tells Moshe, you see my back, not my face. So how does the Alter Rebbe say we do grasp him? If we can't grasp him, so what is there? We only grasp that which is filtered and manifested. But that's, you're right, but that's his whole point here. That's the chiddush here of this maimer. Very powerful. You say Hashem's creation didn't compromise his oneness. But it did. There is a world. Well, that's his whole point, that the world is a manifestation of godliness within definitions that we relate to. In other words, the world exists because of our tools of comprehension. If our tools expanded, we would see a different world. If we went beyond tools, we would just go to infinity. You get it? It's deep. It's deep, deep stuff. If you get it like this, you probably didn't get it. The world that we see exists because of the tools that we have to interpret reality. That's how we, you know, there are colors we don't see, right? Why not? There are colors we cannot see. They don't exist. They do exist. We just don't have the tools to detect them. They don't exist. For thousands of years, we didn't know about viruses. We didn't know about germs. We didn't know about bacteria, right? We didn't know about genes. They didn't exist. We didn't know about electrons. There was, there was no electricity. There was electricity. We just didn't have the tools. What makes electricity real to us is that we have the tools to talk about it. We tell the story. When our tools expand, we tell a different story. We tell a deeper story. We see a new world. You could look at the world from the outside. You could look at the world from the inside. And when your tools expand, you could look at the world yet from a deeper layer. And the more your tools expand, you go beyond and beyond, deeper and deeper and deeper. And what, what about, when, but it's all based on the tools that you have, which are ways of interpreting reality. That's all based on Hashem's sphere of Malchus, which is the core of allowing divinity to be filtered and condensed in ways that can be grasped by various tools. And what happens when I graduate all the tools and I go beyond my tools? What's the world? The world is pure oneness, pure infinity, that has not changed. But what do we mean? The whole world changed. The creation is Hashem allows Himself to be experienced in different ways, in different defined ways. We call it time, we call it space, we call it matter, whatever we call it, because 
of these restrictions and filters that allow godliness to be condensed into that space. And the more we expand our horizons, the more we see of that story, which is incredible. But it's in this world that we could say goodbye to all the tools. We want to say goodbye to all the tools. We are compelled to say goodbye to all of our tools. And then we can touch the ultimate truth of everything, which is pure oneness. Okay, we're going to take a break here, Chavna, and I'm going to see you back, Be'ezer Hashem, Sunday morning, 7.30, because I wanted to, uh, I wanted to finish the Mimer. Since next week there are no classes, I'm in England, and again I'm going to invite everybody to the Wednesday night, Yutas Kislev, Firebringen, with yours truly and Rabbi Shays Taub here in Muncie in our tent in Shul, Wednesday, 8 p.m., also live-streamed. Everybody is welcome in person, men, women, and children. There will be a festive meal, music by Eli Marcus and Yisrael Edelson, and uh, a very meaningful experience by Ezra Hashem Yisbarach. Wishing you a wonderful day, a wonderful week, a wonderful Shabbos. Sending love and blessings to all. Thank you. Right. Beautiful question. Beautiful question. There was a, I once heard from the Lubavitcher Rebbe that the Balatanya had a chassid. His name was Rebinyamin Kletzker. And Rebinyamin Kletzker, Kletzk, a klotz in, in, in Yiddish is a, is a piece of wood. He was a merchant of lumber. He dealt with lumber. And he was a successful man, financially successful. He was a big chassid of the Balatanya. He had a great mind, a great soul. And one year... He did the checks and balances. This is before computers. <laughs> so he did the checks and balances and he wrote up, you know, all the revenue that came in, all the revenue that went out throughout the year, very, very detailed. And then it came to the summation, the end, and he wrote, Sachakal, what's the sum total? Three words, Ein Oid Mulvada. Ein Oid Mulvada. There's nothing outside of Hashem. So the Rebbe, I remember he said, he said, I don't understand. If Einoid Malvada, so why did he spend his time writing this whole sheesh of checks and balances, expenses, revenue, what came, went out, what came in? Einoid Malvada. And if these checks and balances are important and real, so why is your summation Einoid Malvada? Your summation should be how much money you made. <laughs> and he said, that's what Rabbi Yomi Kletzke understood the MS. There's checks and there's balances, there's money that goes in and there's money that goes out because the soul was sent down into this world. And yes, our conceptualized, uh, our conceptual definition of reality is real. <laughs> Malchus is not fake. Malchuscha, Malchus, Kal Eilamim. All the Eilamim, all the worlds, which means all the states of consciousness, including one in which we live with, we, we need money and we want to make money and we, uh, and we are looking for success, financial success. That's all part of Hashem's malchus. But what's the sachakel? <laughs> but what's the summation of it all? What's the sachakel? What's the nekuda? What's the bottom line? What's the makabapatish? What's the ultimate? That's Einaid Movada. So that was the word. If Rabbi Yom would just say, forget the checks and balances, Einoid Movada. He's living in a different reality. He's living in a different reality. There are such people too. 
He, he lived in the world. And there's a world in which there's a system. And there's a system of ec- systems of economics. And those systems you need to adhere to if you want to be successful in that world. You know, if I come into a business meeting and say, guys, let's graduate all the stories and go back to Ain Saif. That's wonderful. But the business meeting is not going to happen. Let's meditate and do something else. That's what davening is about. The Chiddush of Rabbi Yamin Kletzka was that in a world where there is money and there's checks and balances, that's true. And he was in, into it because you have to know what's going on. But the Sachakal was Einaid Muvad. This teaches us about fusion, about integration. You could see it very much in a relationship, you know. Every relationship, say in a marriage, it revolves around a lot of technical things, you know. There's picking up the kids from school, there's bringing the kids to school, right? There's taking out the garbage, there's paying your mortgage, there's paying tuition, there's going to work. Somebody got to do the laundry, somebody has to prepare dinner, somebody has to prepare for Shabbos, somebody has to clean the house, right? We have to take care of this, somebody needs to go to a dentist, somebody needs to go to an ear doctor, somebody needs shoes, <laughs> the closet has to be clean, somebody doesn't have a winter coat, somebody, it, right? That's how it is. That's the nature of life. Well, never, nobody ever told them we got to do all those things. <laughs> I love it. With your wife at Sadekis, you know, you could just sit and sing the gunam. <laughs> but what's the core? Ultimately, the core, we have to, once in a while, you have to go back and say, go back to the drawing board. There's a relationship. It's not just taking out garbage and, 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 you know, and cooking peas, which are important. It's important to cook peas and, of course, kale and, of course, quinoa. It's very important. But there's a relationship. There's a relationship. And, all the, and, and a good marriage is not a marriage where you forget the details. Let's just go on a honeymoon for eternity, right? What are you going to do with all your kids? You know, they're also going on a honeymoon for eternity, the idea is that you are completely involved in the details that you have to be involved in are fully present, but you never forget the sachakal. The details bring you to the sum total, which is dveikas, which is oneness, which is intimacy. And that's really what it's about. I remember when I heard it from the Rebbe, the Vartar Rebbe he said, he wrote the numbers the way you write numbers when you're running a business. But the sachakal, he said, you want to know what the sum total of everything is? So of everything is Eid Malvada. It's probably 1985, 1986. A couple of years ago. Okay, my friends. Those of you who can go to the summation of Eid Malvada, go right there. Those of you who have to get involved with some details, get through the details, and allow the Ru'usa de Libe to uh, kick in. But this Vart of Ru'usa de Libe is very powerful. It's the, I don't know how to say it, it's the trauma of Olam Haza that calls and invites the liberation of all definitions of life because the tools don't, don't cut it. It creates an explosion. It's the it's the frustration, it's the it's the limitation, it's the darkness that propels me. It's the absence that propels me to say, "I'm done with you guys. <laughs> I'm done with all you guys. I'm done with concepts. I'm done with concepts. 
So what do you want? Take me to the reality that's pre-verbal. Take me to the pre-conceptual reality. Take me to the pre-tsum-tsum reality. Take me to my father's bosom. And how do I touch that? Not through I, because I doesn't touch it. It's when the I goes back to the core of the I, which is the predefined I. And that only happens... So when you're experiencing limitations in your life, when you're experiencing setbacks, things that derail you, they, they derail your dreams, they, uh, they are curveballs that literally knock you off your footing. Your, your grounding is compromised. You could look at it in two ways. That's what's so powerful about this. You could say, you know, my life came to an end and I'm angry, or no. My conceptualized self has been deeply challenged. What I always thought about who I am and who I'm going to be and who I'm not and who my children are and what my family is like, that all was shattered. And you know what you can do now? You can have Rusa Deliba. You can, you can reach out for the, for the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate emes, for Atzmos, for Dichalein. But for that, I have to really let go. And that's why the paradox is that the more life gets to me, the more I can get life. The more life... This is, we're not celebrating here disappointments and, and frustrations and shattered dreams. We're celebrating the ability of a person to never get stuck in the concept of what life has to look like but open themselves up to the pure ain't safe, to the pure infinity. You get it? That's what we're celebrating. We're not celebrating the fact that life has darkness. Life has darkness, yes. What we're celebrating is, we say every morning, we don't ask for tests. Never. We ask for toiv hanirev hanigla, revealed goodness, what we celebrate is man's ability, man and woman's ability, never ever to get stuck in any definition. And that happens in this world because in higher worlds you could get stuck in definitions because it's beautiful. Alpha is Avichesef, you're a champion of gold and silver. What, what, what else do you want? So the Neshama remains in her beautiful, amazing Dvekas. It's here that you have Rusa Deliba, real recovery, real connection. Beautiful. Rebaren, we love you. I love you and we love you. The whole Olam. You're saying something beautiful. You're saying, it can also become a defining label, I'm this, you're that. And that's when religion becomes a little dysfunctional. But the real idea of Shema Torah Mitzvah is that you're holding on. You're holding on to those gems and truths that allow you to never be stuck. Right? Mitzvah means connection. Connection with what? With the infinite. And Torah, Torah is God's blueprint for life. 
that never allows you to get cynical and angry and just depressed. So Shema Torah Mitzvah, the real definition, it's not a definition to confine you. It's a definition to liberate you. There was a poet who once said, if you want the violin to produce music, you have to tie down the chords. If you don't tie down the chords, the violin won't produce music. So you're not tying down the violin, the cord, you're not tying down the chords because the strings. the strings. You're not tying down the strings because you believe in slavery. <laughs> you're tying down the strings because you want music, because you love music. It's very different. <laughs> we got to tie down our strings, not because we love slavery. We loathe slavery. But we want the music. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.